Talk Radio's red-headed stepchild. Solace Radio. We go where no talk radio has gone before. So tonight is is nothing new. It's going to be a challenge, and I'm going to be teaching on the book of Revelation. So how many have ever sat in a Revelation class? Revelation. Years ago, I taught on the book of Revelation. We went through step by step. We discussed what we felt Revelation was about. How many were in that class? I'm just curious. Several of you. Did you get anything out of it? Well, I can tell you that here we are, another, I want to say we actually started a teaching in 2007, and 2007, 2008, I think it was seven, it might have even been six. Yes, but the first time we taught it, we had seen more people fill up the congregation. I had people coming from all different types of churches. People love the book of Revelation because they want to know what's going to happen. So we get into the book of Revelation. We taught it again on South Main a few years back. We saw good crowds there too. Uh, folks learn. I, I get it with Roger and Lori tonight. I said, you folks came in. In fact, that's why you came to SAR. You were invited by Mary Newman's husband to the Revelation teaching. And they never left. They came and they never left. So may Adonai bring even more like that. That's awesome. That was 06. So. We are in some serious times, what I would call the last days, the final days. Uh, we're in times that really the world has not seen before, if you're following the news. How many, are, how many of you ever watched the news? You watch the news and you're seeing things happening. It looks like um, if, we, if we were not believers, if we were not believers, we would have a right to be afraid. Because things are happening, and they're happening at such a pace that the world has never seen before. Changes in weather, changes in politics, changes in people's thoughts, in the thinking, changes in culture. Whoever dreamed that years ago we would ever see, a, hear me when I say this, but we would ever see a man run for president who's actually married to another man. 20 years ago, you would have never dreamed to see that. Culture is changing, politics are changing, the weather is changing. We're seeing volcanoes in various places. Uh, volcanic activity is at an all-time high, especially in the Ring of Fire. It, and it's all around the world. Earthquakes in strange places all around the world. We're seeing peace plans come together with uh, Israel and several nations. Who would have ever dreamed that Saudi Arabia would recognize Israel as a nation? Strange times we live in. In fact, Saudi Arabia sent Israel Hanukkah wishes this year. Never happened in history. These are strange times where the coronavirus, and no, that does not have to do with beer, but the coronavirus, people are getting sick, people are dying. Um, I believe that the numbers are being hidden on the news, and I think that there's a reason why they're hiding the numbers. And the, uh, you know, the seriousness of this, if, it, listen guys, we are in these times. China right now is being hit by this coronavirus. They're showing videos that are leaking out of the nation. They're actually, they're actually not just quarantining people in their homes. They're locking them in and putting bars and gates around houses so that people cannot get out. They're going into homes and dragging healthy people out, taking them who knows where. Strange times we live in. Not only now are we learning about these viruses that uh, seemingly are taking people out, and, and when people get reinfected with this, they're dropping dead of sudden heart attacks. It, it's it's very strange. It will affect some people in one way, and it'll affect other people in another way. Um, right now, we're seeing the plague of locusts. If you've ever watched that, how many are watching that on the news? This this plague of locusts is as large as as a nation. It's moving across. It went in through Africa, and it's devouring entire. Listen, it devoured entire farmlands in thirty seconds, two minutes, thirty seconds to two minutes. Wipe out entire farms. We're talking, uh, well, was it three weeks ago? It was at 330-something billion locusts. How do they count all those little critters? I have no idea. But they're saying that they multiply every so often. And, and in the multiplication, uh, two weeks ago, it was at 660 billion. And they keep multiplying. And the, every time they multiply, they get bigger. Can't kill them. Well, here's what they're doing. They're, they're making their rounds. They're actually traveling a path. They went through Africa. They came up uh, through Pakistan, through India, 
And now guess where they are arriving? Into China. So now not only are they dealing with the coronavirus, now they're dealing with these massive locusts. And we say, well, that's over there. It's not going to affect us. But actually, this can affect the entire, uh, not only the food chain, and it is affecting the food chain, by the way, but it's also affecting, uh, the, if, you're, if you know anything about the Baltic Dry Index and the world f- food supply, it is affecting things, guys. So when we look at this, I'm not sharing this to make you afraid. I want you to understand, we are in these times. Where years ago, when somebody like David Wilkerson, anybody familiar with David Wilkerson? You may not have believed all his theology. Um, he taught some pretty powerful messages. And years ago, he had a vision in 73, and I believe he called it the vision. And he wrote a book on this. And some of the things that he saw are are coming to pass and have come to pass. We're going to talk about another book tonight, and that is the book of Revelation. Everyone say Revelation. Revelation. Let's look, if you would, you can go ahead and open your Bibles up to Revelation 1. And I just, I'm going to teach. If we have questions, you can feel free to ask questions. I'm going to come at this through several viewpoints. And some of you, when you, when you read Revelation, you're going to see Revelation as to how you've been taught. And that's good. If it's good theology that you've been taught. But we're going to talk about theology tonight. We're going to talk about a word called hermeneutics. Everybody say hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Uh, this has to do with the way that you and, or that we interpret scripture and the way that we look at scripture. See, we can read this, we can read this book. And by the way, Revelation is one book. It's the only book that it says, if, if you read it, you're blessed. You read it and you hear it, you're blessed. So how many are ready for a blessing tonight? Listen, just by being here and listening, you are receiving a blessing. How many would receive that? But there's also responsibility because what we hear, we have to take it in. Now we have to do. So, But there is a special blessing for the reader and the hearer of the word of Adonai. Revelation 1. Let's look at this. Revelation is actually a word from the Greek apocalypsos. That's a big fancy word. It's where we get the word apocalypse. Everybody say apocalypse. If I were to ask you your thoughts on Revelation, what would you say? If I were to come to you and I'd say, hey, I'm not a... I'm a new believer. What's this book of Revelation all about? What would you say? Armageddon. What else? Prophecy. Okay. But the last days. Ah. Okay. Okay. All right answers. Yes. Changes. Anybody else? Yes. Okay, all, all good answers. The word apocalypse, what does that mean? Because revelation in the Greek means apocalypse. Apocalypsos, do you know what that means? Anyone want to guess? No? See, we would think a battle or a calamity or something bad. It means uncovering, thank you. The, literally, the picture is to take the lid off and show something. It's to remove the lid. So what is revelation uncovering? What is it revealing? Go ahead, you can talk to me. What's it revealing? Prophecy. The whole thing is about Yeshua. This whole thing is the message of Yeshua. It's all about Yeshua. In the beginning was the Word, and this is about Yeshua, the Word of Adonai, the Word of God. But when we read this, understand, we're going to come back to this. When we read this, understand, when we talk about God, remember God is in Hebrew Elohim, but we talk about the Shema. Father, Son, and Spirit. One God. And we try to figure this out with our Greek minds, and we're going to read through Revelation. And I guarantee some of you are going to be compartmentalizing in your Greek mindset, but we want to think like Hebrews tonight. Everybody say Hebrews. So the Hebrew mindset is to think out of the box. The Western world says uh, 2 plus 2 is 4. The Middle Eastern mindset is let's look at the whole picture. And so we're going to look at this whole picture tonight. Now, we're not going to go through the whole book, of course, tonight. But we're going to look at this. We're going to take off little bites, and we're going to chew this. We're going to talk about it and and dissect it and get it in us. Amen? So apocalypse means to uncover. It means to reveal. 
So I'm just going to put, oh, I don't like this marker. Roger, can you help me find one that works good? To uncover, because I'm going to need that board tonight. Everyone say uncover. It's not a mystery to the believer. See, everyone looks at the book of Revelation, they say, well, that's the great mystery. Nobody can really understand Revelation because it's too mysterious. If you are the body of Messiah, the bride of Messiah, this is for you. How many know that? Wave at me. So, so we're going to take the lid off of this and we're going to look at this, the message of Messiah in Revelation to see what's he telling the bride? What's the mystery of this? We're going to look at that. Let me ask you a question tonight. Was this book, known as the book of Revelation, always accepted in the church? I say the church, the kehilat, the, the call out ones. The, if I say church, you guys understand what I'm saying. It's the, it's the synagogue. Really, uh, the church is more a medieval word than we would get. Synagogue means those who have been called out and gathered together. So when we talk about that, if I say church, you know who I'm talking about. But we are the bride of Messiah, the synagogue of Messiah, okay? The called out ones, the ecclesia, ecclesia. Um, I found it interesting as I did my research that this book was not always accepted in the early church. There are, there are actually some believers today that do not, ex thank you, that do not receive this. They say that this may be extra biblical and that they don't receive it. I found that to be interesting. I thought everybody believed in the in the book of Revelation, but not everybody did, even in the early church. Now, if you study it back, um, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's it doesn't have credentials, because it does. But let's look at this through scholarly eyes for a minute. This really is a real book. It really was written by John. Now, there are some that would argue that. They would say, there's another John. But no, I believe this was John, the disciple, the beloved, and that he had a revelation of Messiah. Um, this is a true book. If you'll read some of the early uh, ch church fathers, some of the early fathers of the faith uh, did believe that this was a real book. But over time, there are some denominations that did not. Why do you think that people don't talk more about Revelation today? Too, glo too gloomy? Or they don't understand it? Or they're fearful? I guarantee you that some of the larger churches do not talk about Revelation because, like you said, they're fearful, they don't understand. Maybe it's a gloomy thing. Should we read the book of Revelation, guys? What do you think? Sure. Why? What's the importance of it? It's prophetic, right? And you'll be blessed. Uh, is this book accepted today? I think for the most part, the church does say, well, yes, John wrote the book. Yochanan wrote the book of Revelation. But when I say, well, is it accepted today in the body? Are they teaching it? Some are. Some are, but some are not. Some are not. Again, they're afraid. They don't understand. Uh, it doesn't make sense. They're not taught. The leadership is not taught even what it means. But I believe that there's a message in that for us today. Revelation, it is for us. Uh, John was the author. If we look at this historically, John uh, lived to be, actually John died of old age. He lived to be, what was it, in his late 90s to 100? Was it? 99, I knew it was close to 100. John, the history behind Yochanan, or John, was this. He's known as the Beloved. Uh, he was one who was not martyred. History tells us, and there are legends, that they tried to boil him with oil to shut him up, and when they tried to boil him, he wouldn't die. So that they took him out of the oil, and they said, well, since we can't kill him, we're going to put him on an island, island of Patmos, and this was a place full of criminals. So criminals against the state of Rome. And uh, your job, you just didn't sit around and eat crackers and cheese. Your job on the island, you did have a job, and that was to mine rocks. You, ever, you remember the old movies where they would take these guys and they'd put them in jail and they'd have the thing on their ankle and they'd bust rocks? Well, that's pretty much what they did on the Isle of Patmos. They mined rocks and they busted up rocks. And John was there. John did not die there, but John was actually released. Uh, Domitian, the emperor Domitian from Rome, put him on this island. Anybody familiar with Domitian? I'm just giving you some history here behind this. Domitian was one bad dude. He was an emperor. 
You know who his brother was? His brother was Titus. His brother was the one that destroyed the second temple. So, so Domitian was the, his brother was Titus, so that tells you how bad this family was. But Domitian hated believers. He persecuted believers with a vengeance. He was one of the most evil guys. He was a bad dude. This guy was bad. And, uh, so when we talk about Domitian, he was not a good guy. Uh, Christians and believers suffered quite a bit under him. He banishes John or Yochanan to the Isle of Patmos. John doesn't die there. Domitian dies. John comes out of that, and he actually lived um, and died. But he would travel the churches afterward. He would go to the different kehilah, the different congregations, and they called him, history says they call him camel knees, because he would go in and he would get on his knees and he would pray. He was known as camel knees because that's all he did. He just prayed a lot. And uh, when they would invite him in, they would ask him to speak. And they said his message was always the same in his latter years. He always said, little children love one another. Little children love one another. Can you imagine the message for years and years was, little children love one another. So that was John's message. So when we talk about the book of Revelation, this is written by John. It was revealed to John, and we're going to get into this. But um, there was a reason why it was given to John. He was known as the Beloved. Questions or comments? Yes. Well, that, it depends on what teachers you listen to. Hmm? Well, it could have very well been at a time when he wasn't crushing the rocks on Patmos. We do know this, that he did have the vision was given to him on the island. So whether he wrote it down then or took it with him and wrote it when he was released, depends on what teacher you follow. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, yes, good, good point. Yes. Yes. Yep. There you go. <laughs> well, I wonder what kind of love offering he got, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was the same message over and over. I think he wasn't concerned about a love offering. I think he was concerned about Messiah and the Kehilat. Amen? So let me ask you another question. How many, how many books would you say? We talk about Revelation as one book. You know it's more than one book? Think about it. How many have ever heard of the Pauline letters? The epistles, the Pauline letters, or the letters from uh, Kepha, Peter? The letter from Jude, the, the, the letters, epistles to the congregations, to the different churches, Corinthians and all of that. Well, think about it. How, think about Revelation 1 through 3. And who does he write to? The seven, the seven communities, the seven messianic communities or the churches. And so those can be seen each within itself as a specific letter to that body. So when we talk about the book of Revelation, it consists really of many books. It has seven specific letters to the various churches or the Messianic communities in the area. Everybody say seven. And by the way, uh, there, when we talk about seven, seven is seen throughout the book of Revelation. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to give you examples of that as we go through this. You'll see seven, boom, 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 boom. Seven trumpets, seven bowls, uh, seven seals. You, you have seven... Uh, it's constant. It's a constant theme throughout the book of Revelation. Everybody say seven. So there's a lot of symbolism in Revelation. There's a lot of imagery. It's highly figurative. It uses symbols and similes and likes and as. You know, we're, we're seeing Yeshua whose eyes shine as fire. His voice sounds like the sound of many waters. It, it, these are descriptions of things. We see a woman who's riding a red beast. Now, is this literal? I mean, are we going to literally see in the skies a woman riding a red beast? This is figurative. It's telling you things. Questions or comments? Nope. Okay. Everybody say imagery. So, how, how, here's what's going to set you all apart. Like, you may see it a little differently than she does, and she may see it a little differently than you do, and so on, because of the, the way that you've been taught the way that we've been taught in our past 
the mindset that we have. Can I show, can I prove it to you? How many of you believe in a pre? Uh, uh, how many of you believe in a rapture? Let me see your hand. How many of you believe in a pre-trib that you're going to be out before the wrath of Adonai? Okay, now hold your hands up. I don't, I'm not making. I'm just seeing. How many of you say it may happen mid-trib? How many say post-trib? So did you know, these people never raise their hands once. They're staying out of it. <laughs> they're all staying out of it over there. They're saying, they're like, we ain't raising our hands for nothing. Um, but, but here's my point is to, to have you do that to show you that we all see scripture and we interpret it as we've been taught. So my point is not to say, well, who's right and who's wrong, but to get you to think that maybe there's something else to that. Where we have thought, well, maybe we've seen it this way, but maybe we can begin to see it another way. Be very careful as to how you interpret allegory. I want to say that again. Here, let me see everybody's eyes. Be very careful as to how you interpret allegory, because when we look at allegory, the things that are images, and we say, this is the way I am determined to see it, maybe you're cutting off something. You might miss something. See, if we get so much in a mindset that we say, we have to interpret it this way. Are you all with me on that? So so begin to see things. Now, there are some things that we can all agree on. Yeshua was born of a virgin. He is the word of, of God. He died for our sins. He rose again three days and three nights later. How many know that? We can be in agreement. How many believe he's coming back again? These are things, see, that's solid that's solid biblical good stuff. If people vary on that and they say, well, maybe I believe Yeshua died for me, but I don't know that he's coming back again. Uh, you better watch that. Or if somebody says, well, I believe Yeshua died for me, but I don't believe he was born of a virgin. Better watch that. That's bad theology, guys. Okay? Questions? I saw some hands. Yes. Two hands. The allegory, you have symbols and images and the allegory will tell you, it's like a little, it's, it's telling you of something. For example, Babylon, you know, Babylon is mentioned many times in the book of Revelation. Babylon is mentioned, um, really, if you read and study the book of Revelation, there's two cities. I always say it, it's like a tale of two cities. Anybody ever read that in a tale of two cities? You know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. We're talking about two cities in the end days. One is Jerusalem and one is Babylon. One is about the kingdom of Adonai, the kingdom of Messiah, the kingdom of the Most High. The other one is about the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist. Can I challenge you with this? How many of you would say that the word Antichrist is in the book of Revelation? Wave at me. Not once. No, it's okay. But that's what I'm saying. See, we're... <laughs> No, I didn't mean embarrassed. What I'm saying is we, we have these thoughts and we go, well, of course the Antichrist is in the book of, of Revelation. It's never, he's never mentioned as the Antichrist. He's mentioned in the Pauline letters and in the epistles, in other areas. But the word Antichrist itself, look at it. Very interesting. Is, is the concept of the Anti-Messiah seen in Revelation? Everybody say yes. Sure is. But, but that word itself, we would think, well, isn't it in there? See, we're going to challenge. I'm going to challenge your thinking on some things. Blaze, you had your hand. Good point. Um, for example, back in World War II, in the days of World War II, everyone believed that Hitler was the anti-Messiah. And, and by the way, what did he put on the Jewish people's right hand? A tattoo, a mark. What was he doing? He was wiping out the people of Adonai. He was killing the Jews. By the way, those of you that are here tonight, you would have been in the camps as well. Some of you are not even Jewish, but just by being in this place, you would have been hauled off. So what did he do? They said that Hitler was the anti-Messiah, that Mussolini was the, was the, the false prophet, that the Catholic Church was all a part of this, and because Hitler went into the churches and he uh, changed some things up, removed the crosses, uh, put pictures of Hitler, put the pictures of the swastika up, they truly believed that this was it. World War II, where all the, you know, everybody's looking for the Messiah. Well, that's a good point. Good point to say, were these false teachers? It was the way they saw it. 
in a sense, it played out in such a way to say, well, did that fulfill prophecy? It, it wasn't the book of Revelation. But can I tell you this? Hitler was an anti-Messiah. He was not the anti-Messiah. But it was the same spirit. Ah, you see what I'm saying? So you can have that same spirit running. In fact, Domitian, we talked about Nero and, and Domitian, the emperor out of Rome. He was an anti-Messiah. He wasn't the anti-Messiah, but he was an anti-Messiah. In fact, in Rome, in the days of Rome, people, the early church, the early believers, some of them thought, this is it. Messiah's coming back because you couldn't buy or sell anything. It, they had a gate. Um, there's a teacher that teaches this, and I saw the video. It's pretty interesting. And I see your hand. They had, they had the gates of Rome. If you wanted to buy or sell, to go through that gate, they had people stand there. To go through the gate, you had to, they had a little bowl here and they had a little fire pit there. You had to reach into the bowl and the bowl represented your, your worship to Caesar. So before you ever did any business in Rome, you had to take and reach into the bowl, take a pinch of the incense, throw it into the fire, that was your symbol that you were a part of Rome and that that was your just your little instance of Caesar worship. You didn't have to do anything else. And then they welcomed you through the gate. If you didn't take that pinch of incense, you didn't buy or sell in Rome, according to some teachers. Now what's interesting is this. How many, how many people, even today, how many believers would say, well, what's a little pinch? Just a little tiny pinch. That's all you got to do. It's no big deal. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to pray to him. But to show your allegiance, take that little pinch and throw it in the fire. And then you're welcome. You cannot come in until you do that. And there were believers who said, we're having no part of it. So do you see how the early believers would say, that must be the anti-Messiah. In fact, Rome killed many, many believers. The, the early Christians, they said, look, just like Jews, we're going to kill them all. And that's what they did. And they would take the bodies of believers and Nero would take the bodies of believers and, and dip them in tar and he would put them on poles, line the streets and light them on fire and have parties in his garden by the light of the burning bodies. Yes. <laughs> so, so my point is this. Did he look like the anti-Messiah or an anti-Christ? He sure did. Was he the Antichrist? Same spirit. But in the end days, we're going to see the same thing play out, guys, where the Anti-Messiah will say, you're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you become a part of our system. What's that going to look like? Good question. Yes, sir, you had your hand up. Scripture is very clear that he will possess this man. The anti-Messiah the anti will be possessed by the spirit of Hasatan. I don't understand all that, but I mean by the Hasatan, by the enemy, not just a demon. What's that going to look like? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to see that. <laughs> okay, so that's a good point. Uh, let's go. I want you to look real quick at four basic approaches to Revelation. Everybody say four. The first one is the preterist view. So we're going to talk about the preterism, preterist. Anybody familiar with that? So the preterist view. Everybody say preterists. The preterist view dealt with only with the church in John's day. It was for them. In other words, this already happened. It already took place. We don't even, it, it, it already took place. It had to do with all the seven churches in John's day and the, and the believers in John's day. Preterism. It's already done. Okay? There are some churches that still teach that today. Doesn't matter to us. It happened to the early church, and so we really don't need to study all this. Number two. The historicist. What do you think that means? You see the word history in there, don't you? The historicist view, it's the history of the church as a whole. 
So now this is say, what's the difference between this and this? This is saying that revelation has to do with the church as a whole from the time of Messiah's resurrection till, till now. It, it's okay. So maybe the early church was, you had a church from such and such age that was Smyrna. And now maybe we're the last church. We might be Laodicea. How many have ever heard that taught? That's what they're teaching. Do they lose this concept? Sure. They're saying we are, the church throughout history can be compared to the seven churches. That's kind of the historical aspect. What would be the third? Would be the poetic. Everyone say poetic. So the poetic view of Revelation is kind of just what it sounds. It's poetical. It's, it's, uh, it's allegories and it's images and it's symbols. Well, where would we make sense of that? Now watch this, because there are people who teach the poetic view says this, that revelation is only speaking to the individual. In other words, it's what you, it's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, not to the church. How might we see that? Okay, so in other words, you, you get the book of Revelation and you read it, and you can certainly understand, you could, in other words, it, it applies to you. It's like the Spirit saying, huh, okay, I read about the, just an example, I read about um, the lukewarmness. Well, maybe, maybe I need to get more fired up. So that, that'll be for me. I'll claim that. I, I need to get, how many could be more fired up for the Lord, right? For Yeshua. We all could. So maybe that is an image for me. But you might be reading it. And you come across something else and you go, oh, that's speaking to me today. Poetic. Nothing to do with history. It has to do with the Holy Spirit speaking to the individual in poetry. This is how people see that. Yes. Bob. No, they actually, the people who teach this as poetic say it is the Word of God. But it's, it's, that's just for you personally. In other words, it's for the individual to learn from it. It's poetry we can learn from it. Let, uh, somebody else had their hand up. Who else? Two. Yes. Okay. Well, well, what have, what about this, what about the letters to the seven Kehilat, the seven churches? What would the poetic person say that was? They would say that's poetry. That God is speaking to you through poetry. The, there you go. So you're getting it. Yes. Right. There you go. You're, yes. Okay. Debbie. Okay, so we understand the poetic has to do with the person, the individual. Anybody else? I don't want to miss a hand. We have questions or comments. And we're just into the introduction. We don't even get into the reading of it yet. So, okay, let's look at the last. And by all means, I'm giving you the four major. So these are not the only ways that people see it, but these are the four major ways that people teach Revelation. The fourth is the futurist view. So that is saying this, that Revelation deals with the end times. That it's prophetic and that it deals with the end times. That the futuristic view of Revelation is to say, it's coming. This is what's going to happen in the last days. And this is where I would say as a body of believers that we have probably approached it this way. And this is the way that I teach it. This is what's happening. The preterist view, what was it, guys? It's already happened to whom? The early seven Kehilat, the early seven churches. What's the historicist? Church history. Thank you very much. On a large scale for 2,000 years. And we may be the Laodicean church. That's the last. Okay, what about poetic? What was poetic? Personal. That's, that's, that's for the, that's for the personal person that God's speaking to you poetically from the book. 
and then the fourth is futuristic in the end times. How many of you would say you believe this way? Oh, you just stole my thunder, Leslie. <laughs> you just stole my thunder. Here's what I'm going to challenge you, because I was going to ask you this. Do you believe this way? And you'd say no. Do you believe this way? No. This way? No. How many would say this way? And I think we'd all raise our hands. But see, we're thinking like Greeks when we talk that way. A Hebrew would say, we can look at it, who was, who is, who is to come. See, did it happen? It did. It was fulfilled this way. Could it be that maybe it's a picture prophetically of the history of the church as a whole? Shake your heads, yes. Could it be that when you read the book of Revelation, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Kodesh, is speaking to you personally? Ah. Now, not to be confused with scriptures, it, remember what, remember what scripture says. Scripture is not to be taken out of its context to be applied on an individual basis. In other words, scripture will never contradict itself. So if there's a contradiction, you're not going to pull scripture to say, well, I think I'll just take that one for me. Look at it on what it really means. If it applies to your heart and to your life, you can apply it. But there's not just one little nugget there that says, this is for Debbie personally and nobody else. Are y'all getting that? You got it. Thank you. Can this be futuristic? Of course. And I think as a whole, as a teacher, this is how I teach it. We are in those days. Whether or not you're a pre-trib, a mid-trib, or a post-trib, I think we are there. Personally, I love, I love what uh, Dr. Missler used to say. Dr. Missler used to say this. He said, the bride of Messiah as the bride, we will be watching the book of Revelation from the mezzanine. Kind of like Amy is up in the eagle's nest, running everything. She can look out and see over here, and she can see over here, and she can see it over here, and she can see the whole service unfolding. Personally, I believe as the bride of Messiah, we will be watching from the mezzanine. Could, could I be wrong? Yeah, I could be. <laughs> we need more chairs up there. So see this as a whole. See the book of Revelation as a whole. Okay? Think with a Hebrew mindset. Don't think in your boxes. Well, that's not to say that there are some scriptures that are very, what we would say, kind of boxy. But, and that's okay. But think with your whole mind. Amen? I hope that doesn't sound weird to you. Does that sound weird to you guys to think like that? Okay. Questions or comments? I see some hands. Yes. Say that again. I'm not following you. Yes. Thank you. It's the prophetic. It, it can be cyclical. The Hebrew mindset with time is not linear. It, although there is a beginning and an ending to time, but time does this. There are cycles. It's, it's, uh, it, even as our seasons, even as the seasons of life, there's cycles. Everyone say cycles. That's a good point. So can we see that this happened at one time or another? It sure did, but it will come to pass. This will come to pass. The book of Revelation will come to pass. We will see it come to pass. I personally believe we'll see it come to pass. I think we're in those days. How many of you would say that too? So, so let's go. Let's just begin our journey now. Are you all ready? Turn your neighbor and say, I'm ready. All of this was said to get you to kind of establish a basis to see. All right. Chapter 1, the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah. Notice this is not John's revelation. This is the revelation of Yeshua. The revelation of Yeshua, Messiah, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his messenger, his angel, unto his servant John. Notice the chain of what I would say the chain of command. When it says God, it's speaking of the Father. But then we see the message is revealed to Yeshua. It's given to Yeshua. Who does Yeshua give the message to? The angel takes it to John. There's that chain of command. Watch that. As we read this, understand this, we are in no wise taking away from who Yeshua is. 
you're going to see a mention of the Ruach HaKodesh, or the spirit of, of Adonai. But one God. Now try to wrap your Greek minds around that. These things must shortly come to pass. And so we have, we have an issue here with the, with some folks who say, well, you know, Rabbi, my grandma's been saying it's going to happen, and her grandma said it's going to happen, and their grandma said it's going to happen. And it ain't happened yet. I don't think it's ever going to happen. These things must shortly come to pass. 2,000 years ago, and we're still waiting. Well, I would look at it two ways. Let's look at it that we are in the last days. When did the last days start? The, no, <laughs> the day it began, Roger. <laughs> the la- when you sh- listen, when Yeshua, some would say when Israel became a nation, that began the last days. Actually, remember a day with Adonai is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. I look at history as this. I think that there's, there, remember seven, we talked about seven. How many days are in a week? How many, how many days in, I believe, and remember the weeks are, the whole calculator thing, the calendar thing is Adonai's plan. So I believe that there's 6,000 years, six days. We're coming into the 7,000th or the seventh day. It's the day of Shabbat. It's the thousand years when Messiah will reign. We are at that time, guys. That's how I see it. Okay. So I believe that we're coming into that day. Yes. Um, I do if you study history. I think it is. That's a whole other aspect, but I do. I think we are coming into that season. Now, if you'll watch this, if Yeshua, if you, when Yeshua died and rose again, we've, it's been 2,000 years, right? We have 4,000 years from the beginning of time to the time of Yeshua. Then we have 2,000 years added on to that. Four, five, six. What happens in the seventh? Shabbat. So I believe that Yeshua is going to come back. He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years, as Scripture says. And by the way, if I can point this out to you, there, Revelation is pointing you back. There are many, many Scriptures that, if you study what we would say the First Covenant or the Old Testament, speaks of these things as well. If you'll read Daniel, Daniel was very apocalyptic. You know, Daniel, uh, on a whole other rabbit trail, but let me share this with you. Daniel was so right on about history that the scholars, there were scholars who were not believers that said Daniel must have written it after it happened. Because there's no way that a man could prophesy it to the T. Alexander the Great, dividing up the nations to his generals. and I mean, he just, to the T, guys. So we have two books in the Bible that are very apocalyptic, that speak of these things coming. Um, Daniel was one. Revelation is another. Okay, Where was I going with all this? I forget. What were we talking about before Daniel? Yes, okay. So go back to that. Thank you. Go back to that scripture. If, if we are in the last two days of this thing, which I personally believe that we are, we are in the last days. There's a scripture in the book of, uh, help me out, Abba. It says, in two days, but on the third day, he will raise us up. I'm, I'm thinking that that's speaking of that day and that season that we are in. Um, go back to the, if we're going to look at the word shortly, how many of you have another word there for shortly? Soon? And people would say it's been 2,000 years. Well, let's look at it another way. And tachyon in the Greek, everybody say tachyon. Tachyon, shortly come to pass. This is literally what this means if you studied in the language. It's where we get the word uh, tachometer. It's that thing that if you look at it in your car that tells you the speed. Your tachometer, your ta- is a, a tachometer. Tomato, tomato, you know. <laughs> it's, it's that thing that tells you swiftly. And so here's the, here's the concept of this. When these things happen, it's going to happen. Boom, 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 boom. Not one event here, seven years later, another event here, ten years later, another event. That when these things come, it's going to happen suddenly or swiftly. I find that interesting because just uh, when we, when we, I forget how many months ago, but the word of Adonai spoke to me, it spoke to my heart, and said, watch for things to happen suddenly. 
Watch for the suddenlies. Do you guys remember that word? Watch for the suddenlies. And that's what this is saying. That when these things happen, it's going to happen one right after the other after the other. You're going to see the four horsemen in this thing. You're going to see all these things. And it's not going to be, okay, a little box here, and we'll give it a little rest, and then we'll get it a little here. These things happen quickly. That's why the people on the earth are going, what's happening? It's the book of Isaiah where he says he's taking the world and he's turning it upside down. People are going, this is crazy. That's what Revelation's all about. But it all points to Yeshua. It all points to Yeshua. The king is coming back. How many know that? Now, I'm not talking Elvis. The king is coming back. Yeshua the Messiah, the king of kings, Malachim, he's coming back to rule and reign, and he's turning things on their ear in this world system. And everybody, that I want you to look around tonight as you drive home, as you wake up tomorrow, I want you to remember this. Everything that we see is temporary. Everything we see is temporary. And Yeshua is coming back to change these things up. The only thing that's going to last in our lives, if I could say it this way, is what we do in love. Not religion. What we do in love. Sorry if that sounds a little new age. I don't mean to sound a little new age. But Adonai is a God of love. We love Him. We love His Word. And we love each other. And that's what's going to last. Everything else. The clothes on our back. The beautiful chairs, this beautiful building, as beautiful as it is, is not going to last. It's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. How many are looking forward to the new things? The new beginnings? We'll have new bodies. Aren't you looking forward to the new body? All things new. Behold, I make all things new. So he's making all things new. This stuff is temporary. So it's shortly coming to pass. Look at verse 2. Who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Yeshua Messiah and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that reads and, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear. Everybody say Shema. So they that, the guy that's teaching it and those that are listening. Shema, to hear. Yeshua said many times, be careful. He said, be careful how you hear. We're living in such a day and age where you better be careful as to what teachers you listen to. What things you, and I'm not just talking about letting it go in in one ear and out the other. Those things that you hear that affect you. We gather tonight talking about, we've only been into, we're into three verses of Revelation. But understand this. My point in standing here is not, it's not just to be a, a history teacher or to tell you, you know, it's easy to stand. I could stand here and teach the word and tell you stories. But the one thing that I want you to know is the word is supposed to change us. The awesome responsibility of hearing the word. Not, I don't want you to just go out tonight and say, you know, Rabbi, that was a great class and really enjoyed that message. I'm, I'm hoping you get changed by it. I'm hoping that it does something to you to say, you know what? He's here in this place, and he changed me. The word changed me. I almost brought in today my sword in my office. It's a very large, double-edged sword. And that sword is a picture of the word of Adonai. Two edges. It's the first covenant and the second covenant. And they both come to a point. And that point is Yeshua. The point is Yeshua. Everybody say Yeshua. And everything that, that word will do, it'll cut us. It'll cut the things off of us that, that shouldn't be there. It'll change our minds about things. It'll challenge us to do things. As I study this, I'm telling you, I'm challenged all the time to be a more loving person, to be a more kind person, to love Him even more. Anybody challenged by that? Are you challenged by the Word? Is it cutting those things away that you say, oh, that needs to be cut? Sometimes getting cut hurts. When Yeshua comes back, He is the Word. And what comes out of His mouth? A sharp two-edged sword. I remember as a kid, there used to be a picture. And I, I was just, this picture was kind of weird looking to me. But here is this man on this white horse, and somebody had painted this. And he's coming back with the armies of heaven. And out of his mouth is coming this big sword. And it looks so weird to me. I, look, I saw that. like, what is that? And somebody told me, well, that's, that's the Messiah. And when he comes back, he's got a sword in his mouth. I'm like, a sword in his mouth? 
Again, we're talking allegory. What does that mean? Is he going to have a sword sticking out of his mouth to kill the anti-Messiah? No. That's the Word. The Word is carrying the Word. He's speaking the Word. And that Word will sometimes cut us and cause us. And sometimes the Word hurts us. It'll hurt sometimes when things are cut away. Relationships are cut away we shouldn't be in. Or we're doing something we shouldn't. Cut, cut, cut. Anybody ever been cut by the Word? I got a, the other day, I got a little cut in my hand. I got a little cut. I've been getting little cuts lately. I don't understand this. Got a cut over here. I got a little cut over there. This banister, going down the banister, holding the banister, and ding, just a little cut. I went, ow. I tell you what, that little cut hurt. Took about a week for it to heal up. Sometimes those cuts are painful. Last night, we had, we got a little puppy. He's just a little, I say little, it's about this, it's a fat puppy. And I was laying on the floor and that puppy decided to come up. And, uh, so I just put my head down like that and it started to, yeah, it started to nibble. I say nibble, it attacked me, the daggone thing. And it got my ear. You might see that little spot. I told my wife, I said, guess what? I said, um, the dog pierced my ear. <laughs> I have a hole in my ear. I have blood coming out. A little 10 week old puppy. It's like a vampire. Ah, you know. Yeah, I'm still alive. <laughs> the dog is too. But, but I have this little hole. It hurt when it cut. It's just a little thing, but it cut. The word of Adonai is like that, that it'll cut us and it'll take those things. Sometimes, you know, being a believer in Yeshua is not always easy or fun. It'll cut us. How will we react to that cutting? How are you going to react? I challenge you. I hope you come back to this class. I have a lot to teach. But it's not just about teaching so that you can go out and say, well, now we're very informative. You know, I've often thought about maybe passing out papers at the end of a class. If you come to every class and say, I, I, you know, yeah, you graduated from the Messianic, the Messianic, and that wouldn't be a bad idea, but I don't want you to leave puffed up to say, we got all this information now. That's not the whole course. The whole course is this. It's all pointing to Yeshua and his kingdom and what's coming. And we need to be ready for what's coming. How many of you are ready for what's coming? 